Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Nurtured Heart Approach February podcast. It's an exciting time for the Nurtured Heart podcast as today marks the first of a six-month podcast series entitled The Lifespan Journey with NHA, Inner Wealth for All Ages. The February spotlight is NHA in early childhood, birth to four years. I am Stephanie Rule and I'm honored to be your host for this podcast. I am a certified NHA advanced trainer teaching and coaching NHA to parents, teachers, and mental health professionals in the local community of the Roseville, Sacramento area, and I work for the Children's Success Foundation as a STAR program coordinator. I am also a wife and a parent of two children, ages four and seven, and we live in a nurtured heart household. Before I introduce our guest for this month, we do have listeners who are new to Nurtured Heart, so I'd like to give a quick 30-second or less thumbnail of what Nurtured Heart Approach is before diving into today's discussion. NHA is an approach or a methodology that focuses on building and strengthening relationships in our lives through the use of something called the three stands. It's all about building inner wealth, not only in children, but also in adults, so that we are all able to put our best selves out there in the world and have healthy communication and boundaries in our relationships. Okay, I think it is about that time to introduce our guest speakers for this very exciting topic of the Lifespan Journey with NHA, Inner Wealth for All Ages, spotlight being on those zero to four-year-olds. Our first guest speaker for the day is Jana Brushwine. Jana is a certified NHA advanced trainer and has been an educator for over 25 years. She was an elementary teacher, a Head Start program director, and is currently the director of St. John Christian Preschool, where kids aren't tolerated. They are celebrated. Jana lives in Horace, North Dakota, with her husband and three children, ages 17, 16, and 10. Welcome, Jana. I'm so glad to have you here on the podcast with us today, and I cannot wait to hear more about how your school celebrates instead of tolerates children. Welcome. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. So let's go ahead and introduce our second guest, and then we can talk some more all about that. So our second guest speaker for the day is Leah Marcus. Leah studied studio art, art therapy, and counseling, and worked in community mental health in Ohio for three years before moving to Michigan to start a family. She experienced a tremendous paradigm shift upon learning about the Nurtured Heart Approach in late 2011. With the help of two CTIs and the 2013 Global Summit, the NHA infused her work as a therapist, her marriage, and her mothering with new meaning and vitality. In fact, she was pregnant with her now three-year-old son, Avery, during the summit and the UK CTI. So her parenting was already nurtured heart-focused before it even began. She has spent most of her time in the past few years as a primary daytime parent to Avery, licensed as a counselor in both Ohio and Michigan, Leah recently became involved with the Washtenaw County Parent Coalition, committed to building resilience and connections among local families and area resources. Welcome, Leah. It's great to have you here today. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Yes. 
And I do have to say that I share a common experience of learning NHA while pregnant with you, mm-hmm. which is um, such a special experience. Oh, yeah. I remember sitting in one of one of Howie's lectures um, during the the CTI and, you know, just getting little kicks periodically. It was like, mm-hmm. who's on board with that? Right. Uh, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, ladies, let's start talking about those littles. Um, using NHA with the zero to four-year-olds is certainly an adventure filled with so many pivotal moments of building that inner wealth in them. As we all know, uh, these, are, these years are quite formative years for for the zero to four-year-olds. And what we do as parents and educators with this time is so critical to the development of our children. So Jana and Leah, I would love to hear from both of you guys about some of your experiences of building inner wealth in kids of this age. Anybody feel like jumping in first? Um, Sure. I um, Oh, (laughs) let's talk at the same time, the whole time. You go (laughs) ahead, Leah. (laughs) Um, well, I'm just thinking of my uh, my sort of history as a, a recovering perfectionist, and I my son, even before he was born, taught me a lot about the quality of resilience and um, flexibility, because a lot of my, not so much my pregnancy, but my, my recovery from childbirth really shook up my... Um, my ideas about like how I thought things were going to go. And so Mm -hmm. kind of from the get go, um, it just was so much uh, messier and (laughs) um, richer in terms of all the opportunities to really respond to the situation, the actual moment and not the image of it in my head um, Mm -hmm. or the plan from years back. Um, And it's only, that's only become more and more vivid as he's gotten older and verbal and uh, just teaching me who he is and what he needs. And um, so I think, you know, before he had words, um, he of course was understanding a lot. And so there was a lot that I said to him that I didn't know, like if it was landing really. Um, Mm -hmm. So there was a, a piece of trust in the nurtured heart and like I hope this gets in there you know I hope this Mm -hmm. is worth saying all this and um and then and so now I'm starting to hear it back to me and that's been incredible and I'm excited I mean he's only three this is really just starting in terms of the verbal piece of Mm -hmm. what nurtured heart can can give to children so um but before that, that note, I had a lot more to do with my, my own energy, what I brought to the day. Mm-hmm. Yes, Leah, ahead, when you talk, I, my years of raising that age are mm-hmm. over, but I work <laughs> daily with three, four, and five-year-olds. And I think prior mm-hmm. to the nurtured heart approach, I felt, um, even in our, our logo, just tolerating kids, there was this sense of hurting them versus really seeing them and celebrating them. And now using the nurtured heart approach, I feel like we can give kids as young as infancy tools for their toolbox. When I can tell a three-year-old, I just saw you grab a chunk of Play-Doh 
and share it with a friend. You are so generous. And what a great friend you are. I have just given them this tool that they tuck away that they can pull out later to use instead of viewing kids as they'll get it someday. No, they are exhibiting those amazing characteristics now. And if I can label it for them, it becomes theirs and they are mm-hmm. able to use it more regularly and celebrate it themselves and, and to model after each other. And we have just seen just amazing results using the nurtured heart approach with how kids interact with each other. Just like you were saying, your son now uses that language with you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, and, I would love to hear and it, more about no, your no. toolbox, um, putting the tools in their toolbox that you talked about, Jana. Yes. To me, when I tell a child, you are showing such self-control right now. I see how angry you are that somebody just grabbed that handful of Legos from you and you didn't lash out. You didn't say angry words and here you are just sitting and your arms are quivering and yet you still aren't acting out. I just need to tell you what amazing self-control that is. Mm -hmm. And I think of those early child years of of teaching that ability to self-regulate, whether it be emotions or the acting out against each other. I think early childhood programs tend to be a place where people have accepted pushing and shoving and biting are part of the landscape. Mm -hmm. And by honoring kids when they are having those emotions and those feelings and not acting out, I think you perpetuate this use of those in other situations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the tools, the toolbox that they have is like their portfolio, it sounds like. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes, their portfolio of just what are the things that I am able to do and where can I carry it from this situation into another mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as, as kids, I mean, well, even as babies, they're, they're noting uh, what, how they can interact with the world, the impact they can have on their world and how big their world even is. And I think sometimes it can be scary to realize, for them to realize just how much power they have sometimes. It can feel like, well, maybe that's too much. And so I think Nurtured Heart really helps shape um, or kind of gives boundaries to that or um, direction that they don't have to be ruled by their behaviors. They can make a different choice um, and still get that credit for using their, using their power instead of just having it be taken away or separated from or imposed from above. Um, it's just so respectful of, mm-hmm. you know, trusting them to use their power and then also giving help when it feels like too much for them. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like what you said about trusting them to be able to use their power in a healthy way, right? Because we all mm-hmm. know that those zero to four year olds have have a significant <laughs> amount of power within them, and can very easily be misguided into using it in a negative way. Um, and when we trust them and and teach them by putting the tools in their toolbox, um, how to use that power in that po- positive way, then we can show them how much we trust them to to be able to do that, trust in that ability that they have. And I find that they organically know and can sense those things. And when we can draw it out in them to say, 
I love how you're listening to your body and you move to the quiet area or you went to mm-hmm. the couch to be alone. I, yes. That's such insight. You need you needed just some time to gather your thoughts. Kids look at you like, wow, I'm not being told you must come back to the group or you must do those things that kids feel respected in a way that they aren't often looked at by others. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of putting a deposit in a relationship bank account for later when they take issue with somebody else's behavior when yes. when they mm-hmm. themselves are respected and trusted to know their bodies well okay well that must mean that Susie trusts her body and knows her body and you know so it just you know reinforces that that sense of autonomy and um yeah, just respect for each other's choices, even if we can't see the reason right yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's one of my, the many definitions for, for inner wealth, mm-hmm. to be able to um, go out there in the world, you know, and to be able to manage and handle and be resourceful with the experiences that they have regarding other people and other relationships in their, that come into their world. Mhm. Mhm. You know, for a, for a long time with my daughter who's now 7, um I was trying to kind of, you know, pinpoint like how how is she taking in nurtured heart? What is this going to sh- how is this showing up for her in her life? And when she's get as she gets older, how is it going to show up in her school life with her friends? Um, and it just kind of snuck up on me one day and for years, I didn't realize this was happening, but for years she was handling, um, relationships with friends in such a, um, honest and, um, honest way and with such integrity, um, and with such a low level of reaction, right? She wasn't reactionary when friends would be saying things that weren't the greatest, weren't the nicest, or acting in such a way that wasn't the greatest or the nicest, um, she wouldn't react. She would just be true to who she is and not engage in um, not engage in that type of behavior or way of thinking or talking. And for the longest time, I, was, I, I didn't really realize that hmm. that was her acting out her inner wealth. She didn't need to. I would she agree. doesn't need to engage in that. I have a 10-year-old son, which he's beyond this, but I think those foundations, that portfolio that is built, uh, he really steers clear of some of those toxic situations that kids right. tend to be drawn to just to look for friendships. Um, I really feel like kids make wise choices because, oh, that's not me. That's not who I am. And, mm-hmm. uh, and take the opportunity when they can to be somewhat that voice of reason in, in the midst of it. Right, absolutely. Well, you that know, feels that's really good for me to hear as a mom of a younger kid. <laughs> like, oh, okay, this is what I have to look forward to. <laughs> yes. Yes, and I want, to, I want to ask yeah. one of the two of you to explain for our listeners, if you don't mind, one of you guys, to explain what exactly the portfolio is. Because I think with this age that we're talking about, the zero to four-year-olds, I mean, portfolio is important for all ages, obviously, but with the formative years of zero to four, I think the portfolio is so very important. Like what Leah is talking about right now, like, oh, being in the middle of it right now, she's in the middle of this zero to four stage 
and it's hard to sometimes it's you don't quite see what is developing yet like they they aren't really putting it out there yet into the world and so that portfolio piece is so important that we keep building into it so can one of you guys explain for the listeners what the portfolio is sure i'll i'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit to that great to thank me it's you. this wonderful opportunity from the time your child is an infant to say i know you're hungry and you're giving mom one more minute to prepare and find a cozy spot you're being so patient and constantly giving them those little uh, messages that they are exhibiting these characteristics of patience, of loving, of kindness, of persistence, of being inquisitive. And each time you build the case for them, you are patient. You waited for your meal. You are patient. Here you are at the door with your coat on and I'm still running around getting my purse and gathering my things and you're still waiting here for me. Just constantly adding layers and thickening and building. And so they really understand in multiple situations all the ways that they exhibit that character trait, that, mm-hmm. that greatness. And each time, I, I can see it in my kids at school when we, um, they look at us like, oh, that's a different situation that you're calling out how I was being patient. This is another way. So rather than saying, please be patient, when you're dealing with a two-year-old, they don't have the knowledge of life experience to say, oh, that's what that is. But I can give them on a daily basis, four or five examples that add to what they are doing and it helps them know, wow, I am a patient child. And truly, when we talk two-year-olds, that's not usually a word (laughs) that we would Mm -hmm. give to them. And I think by growing that portfolio with lots of different words for them to have, that it just continues to grow. And when Mm -hmm. I train with parents, I say, when you... When this child was born and you envisioned their life, what did you hope they would look like even as an adult? And what are the characteristics that they would have? Now is the time to start showing them that that is who they are Mm -hmm. by giving them all of these tiny examples along the way. Kids don't Mm -hmm. wake up one day at 18 and say, wow, I'm a go-getter. I am uh, considerate and I am all these things. They need to be shown all the times that they are showing that throughout their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The portfolio is built most strongly in in the moments that the qualities are being shown, even even in a tiny, tiny way. And I think to jump off of what Jana was saying, that the portfolio also, I mean, it's a metaphorical portfolio, of course, but it also can be put into into context with what you know it, what could be going wrong or going worse what what um less desirable qualities aren't you showing right now that you could be you know so to kind of expand it out and and flush it out in a way that that kids see the alternatives that they're not choosing you know so it really mm-hmm. paints a picture of all of the aspects of the choice they're making they're not mm-hmm. just being patient, like, I don't know what else to do. I mean, it's being patient when, oh, man, it would be easy to just lay down on the ground and kick your feet and, and go all out. And, um, and Leah, don't them you feel those are the most powerful times? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The I mean, most, just what you're saying, so powerful when you can say you could be throwing this huge yeah. fit. 
because mm-hmm. we know they have. I yeah. think that's Which so powerful can be in tricky this age. For some kids, yeah. For some kids, they're like, oh, well, there's an idea. I'm going to do that. But <laughs> you <laughs> know, and I, to me, that's a time for sense of humor because I say, mm-hmm. look at there. I mentioned it and you showed me what it looked like, but here you are standing yeah, right back up yeah. and you're right back with me. <laughs> I love, I love that, your Anna. sense of humor and we knuckle, <laughs> give knucks and we mm-hmm. can move on rather than mm-hmm. giving any energy. Yeah. Sense of humor, I think, at my house uh, and in my work is a great reset. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because yes. It, it's a way to say, I get you, I see you, this isn't your typical behavior, let's move on, come on. Right, right. And I recently read um, something I loved. It was basically the idea that um, when we play with kids, like roughhousing or, or using humor in a way that really gets us belly laughing and expending that energy kids that's how kids expend the energy that they otherwise would spend on tantruming you know so the more um we can use our energy to help shape the moment and help wrangle the energy toward laughing together about something um then it gets spent that way and it doesn't have to be sort of drawn out into um yeah a big tantrum Mm-hmm. And I yeah. would think as a parent, those were times that I wanted to tantrum. When the yeah. shoes fall down, you want to yeah. just lose it. Ah. Mm-hmm. So if we are <laughs> remind ourselves, like, I'm going to reset and use a little humor, it can, it can help us all. Absolutely. Speaking of resetting, I, I mean, something that I'm still stunned by, even though I knew it in some part of my brain, is how quickly my son can switch emotions. <laughs> where I'm like, whoa, okay, now we're happy again, okay. Um, (laughs) And I think that fits so well with Nurture Heart and its quality of being in the, it's an in-the-moment thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And so the the opportunities to reset are abundant. And they don't, you know, they don't hold stuff, my son doesn't hold stuff over my head at the end of the day for how I reacted in the morning about something. There's Mm -hmm. so many fresh chances. And so it's always this reminder and this teacher for me to let myself reset as quickly mm-hmm. as he naturally does. Yeah. Well, I love that you bring that up too about the how quickly they can they can switch from being in a total <laughs> tantrum and so upset to being totally happy. There's like a tear never even existed on that face, right? I love that you brought that up because that's such an important piece of parenting the zero to four-year-olds, I think, because parents, everybody experience, all parents experience that with their kids. Every kid goes through that. Every kid has those moments. And I, I have heard so many times people calling, referring to those moments where they're having a tantrum and then two seconds later they're not. I've heard so many times parents referring to that as, oh, that was fake. That was just fake. Mm-hmm. That, that tantrum was fake. Those emotions were fake. And for me, I don't view those emotions as fake. I don't view any emotions as fake. It's all real and in the moment. But here's the the, the beauty of it, and this is, Leah, what you were saying, I think, is that um, it's called a reset. Kids are champions at resetting. They mm-hmm. can go from total tantrum to two seconds later, dry face, dry eyes, happy smiles on their face, and don't even remember what they were tantruming or maybe that they were tantruming at all. 
Um, and that's just resetting. Mm-hmm. They've modeled that yeah. for us, that the beauty of how to reset so smoothly. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not, not necessarily – sometimes it's hard to reset, but it's not always that mm-hmm. hard to reset. And I love that our – you know, we always talk about as parents that we have to model things for our kids, which we do, but our kids yeah. model it for us too. You know, honor it in that moment. I think it's Mm -hmm. so important to, you know, speaking of modeling, to, for me, I I try very hard to always, always take my son seriously, even when he switches emotions so quickly. Mm -hmm. I I have to believe that he was really there, (laughs) really in that emotion, even if it's already already done and it's like if if I want him to take me seriously I need to take him seriously and not be dismissive but instead Mm -hmm. try to work on my agility in keeping up with his emotional landscape because it can be very very bumpy at this age (laughs) but I you know I feel like I'm making an investment in our future relationship by you know respecting where he is in any given moment Mm-hmm. But they're so cute and they're so little and they say stuff <laughs> so funny sometimes. So it it can be easy to 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 belittle stuff even accidentally or laugh. You know, right. I, I laugh at you know. So it's but I think in the in the day to day or in our society it, it can be too easy to um, to dismiss that. Mm-hmm. I would agree, and I, I see that often when parents come in preschool to pick up their kids and we'll stop and tell them about their greatness, and they look at us and kind of give a look. And so it's been equally as important to educate parents that these greatness qualities that we're sharing are to be celebrated and not a, oh, thanks, or a flippant <laughs> remark as they leave it can mm-hmm. be so demeaning to the work that we do in, in helping kids mm-hmm. recognize their greatness. Mm. So yeah. uh, it's got to be wonderful, Leah, to have your mom also using the approach <laughs> as a grandmother influencing oh, yeah. Avery. Very much so. And she, she helps keep me going with recognitions for me. Um, she, can kind of take over with it when I'm like done <laughs> on hard days. Um, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And I, I think, you know, she parented in a nurture heart way before she had that um, framework, but this just, you know, it's been so much richer to have that and to be able to share that. Um, and she even helps me see qualities that Avery shows that I miss because I'm like almost too close sometimes. Um, yeah. That's where if you can find a village of other nurtured heart <laughs> people, it is just so fabulous to parent and, and to be in that kind of a community. Yeah. I think sometimes people shy away from either giving their kids recognitions like these or from even being recognized because they either think, well, okay, why should they get all this praise for doing something that I expect of them? Or um, I don't want them to get a big head or, but really it's, it's about, you know, showing, loving them in a way that shows them how to love others 
in you know in 3D kind of not just within yourself but like to share it um, and I think you know I'm I'm raising a white male who's <laughs> very privileged and so I want to give him as many tools as possible to from from day one you know mm-hmm. to really respect people vividly and have them feel um, like they're whole people because they are I yeah, I don't and I think you're making deposits into those mm-hmm. children. My ten-year-old, I had his third-grade teacher came to me and said he is the only child who's ever come up after a lesson and said, "Thank you so much for teaching us about <laughs> blah blah blah. Uh, you really know what you're talking about, and I so enjoyed it." <laughs> and she said, "I have taught for twenty plus years, and no child has come to me." So I think exactly what you're saying when we start young it becomes who they are and they have a way to acknowledge other people's skills and abilities in a way that really lands and hits home and I think Mm -hmm. the way they maneuver through the world is so different when you Mm -hmm. have those types of skills yeah absolutely you know Leah you said something a few minutes back that I would love to go back to um, Mm -hmm. when you were talking about your mom and you said something about how sometimes she steps in really great when you're feeling done. And that struck a chord <laughs> for me because parenting zero to four-year-olds, um, we often feel that exhaustion, right? Mental, emotional, physical exhaustion. And it can be so hard to to push through that feeling and continue on using your tools for the Nurtured Heart Approach and teaching, you know, teaching the recogni- using the recognitions with your kids and resetting and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. And I would love to hear um, from both of you guys any experiences you want to share about how do you push through that feeling of exhaustion? How do you do that? What do you do? How does Nurtured Heart help you do, get through that? Um, well, I, I'm a visual thinker. I love metaphors. And when I was first learning the Nurtured Heart, um, I had this very vivid image of sort of pre-nurtured heart. My my energy supply felt more like a gas tank, and then when it was empty, ooh, empty, <laughs> and, um, and I was just donezo for the day. And with nurtured heart, when you are hooked into that sort of greatness stream, <laughs> where you can just access the moment from a different vantage point, any given moment. Um, it it shifted my energy to being more like a solar panel. And so as long as I exposed myself to that source, it was sort of self-renewing. Now, that was before I had a child, and so (laughs) there's more influences that are clouding over my solar panel. But um, um, it's important for me to, to, you know, even though he's little, to be honest with Avery and to let him know how I'm feeling Mm. and sort of calling him in to brainstorm with me maybe in a, you know, a little kid, uh, whatever that looks like for him to figure out what what can we do because mama needs this and you want this and I want to make sure everybody gets what they want. And so, um, 
certainly don't always Leah, I that think <laughs> that, that self-talk <laughs> that you're talking about is so yeah. huge, especially in it this is. age group, to be yeah. able to say, you know, I'm just getting so negative with you and I'm feeling down. I just need to reset or I just need to take a few moments. Mm-hmm. I think we need to offer that to kids because mm-hmm. especially new parents or people new to the approach, I think they feel every word that comes out of their mouth to a child needs to be a recognition. And one of the things I say is there is conversation that is not a recognition and that is positive (laughs) and productive as well because I think new to the approach, you don't dare open your mouth unless it's a recognition. (laughs) And and, and to give parents permission, it's okay just to be a loving parent and and to... mix in that those nurtured heart recognitions because once you become aware of it I think it's impossible to go back Mm -hmm. to the negativity that you Mm -hmm. previously had because it's you're so conscious Mm -hmm. of it but but sometimes even yeah sometimes even when I you know and I just I just can't I just don't have it (laughs) In the moment, like I just can't even. Um, even when I say no, we can't do that right now. Then, if he doesn't like lose his mind right then, then okay, well there's another opportunity to acknowledge. Wow, you you accepted my no so calmly, you know. So that helps kind of reset me when I get to a point where I'm just like. Then you know it, the approach shows up again with another opportunity. I don't. I wish I had like a citation for it. I think it comes from John Gottman's work, but my mom told me, and I've been clinging to it, that it it's not about 100% connection all day. That our interactions with our children, it's much more like 30% connection and then 60% repair, rupture and repair. And so it's, we don't have to be perfect. My, my perfectionistic heart was like, oh, okay. I get to mess up all day and repair. And the, the learning, the repair part too is huge. And um, that's such a skill for kids to learn that it doesn't, the yeah. world doesn't end when there's a rupture, when there's, you know, when we don't respond the way we wish we would have. And so there's value in seeing a parent apologize in sitting down together and talking about, okay, wow, that was kind of scary. Let's talk about, you know, what we're doing about it now and what we're showing now. And I started doing a, I mean, we just call it talk about the day, but at the end of the day we go through, you know, all the, stuff that happened and the qualities that Avery showed and, and you know a lot of it is stuff I didn't remember to notice in the moment but then I didn't miss my shot I can still add it in, in you know, mm-hmm. during the night and so it really helps me to give myself a break and give myself a lot of grace which just that becomes part of the atmosphere in the household and so everybody gets that <laughs> everybody gets that grace 
I think that's and really... in talking about a preschool setting, we have multiple opportunities in a two and a half hour morning where kids have mm-hmm. that, and the repair I would say is equally, if not more important, than the building up. Exactly like mm-hmm. you're speaking of, Leah. Th- there are multiple opportunities, and if we don't seize to to recognize when kids do repair and invite kids and and say I'm sorry in a sincere way. We mm-hmm. talk about I'm sorry doesn't mean much if there isn't a relationship to start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think your point of of that repair being vital is huge. Yeah. And I love that. I agree. The instinct is to just separate, to separate, but then there's not a coming together. So then they don't really learn, you know, how to do that. It's just, well, a bigger person is going to come and take me away, so... You know, oh well. <laughs> yeah, a big person so I, will come and tell him to say I'm sorry, and we'll walk away, and they'll right, separate us. Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. And even in those moments, recognizing their eye contact, and and sometimes it's not the words that they have that they've learned yet, but their physical actions of I can see you're looking at your friend with care because mm-hmm. you realize she's saddened. You know, just being in that moment to to observe them and show them and to understand that, wow, yeah, kind eyes and a tone at this moment make a difference. What a mm-hmm. beautiful gift, Jana. Thank you for saying that because it isn't all about verbal communication. And it's a gift to these little people in the world to be allowed by the adults in their lives to have other form of communication, you know, the the eye contact, the body language, um, all of that is communication. And like you just said, communicating I'm sorry through your your eye contact and your body language can be just as moving to another person as the words. Totally. And And even proximity moving toward or... Yeah, I think it's needed more than ever because... You know, not to get into, like, society today with their technology, but <laughs> a lot of people mm-hmm. are communicating a lot of things through just text. It's so te- to keep that um, the whole uh, spectrum of body language mm-hmm. relevant and um, attuned is very important as a counterpoint to all the electronic communications and just word Absolutely. Yeah. Such a small part of relationship and communicating. Yeah. And the technology is, you know, it's no it does not make teaching empathy very easy in <laughs> in our children today. And so using, you know, using this idea of the communication through the body language and the eye contact, the physical you know, um, distance, proxim- proximity, or what all of and all of that really is um, going to help continue to build empathy and teach empathy in in kids of this age. And I think we begin to show them that as we read them, they begin to read their friends and their peers, and I just think it builds that emotional intelligence in in how you interact with others in the world by mm-hmm. reading those cues. Yes, And even like, you know, Daniel Siegel's work with neurobiology, you know, we help kids regulate, especially little kids regulate by regulating ourselves. 
that <laughs> we we're not a neutral party in a in you know a conflict or in our child's um, upset. And so you know, my I've come to realize that kind of job one for me, if Avery gets upset, is to like calm myself down. Um, I get low to the ground. I lower my voice. I take deep breaths and just be there and mm. um, try to watch him and see how he handles it and you know but and to recognize the role I can play just by calling myself near him um but it is not just modeling it's you know based on our attachment and our relationship it helps him get there but -hmm. without it being enforced or forced or rushed Mm -hmm. um which some people might say, well, easy for you to say you have one kid, but, you know, I think it's still um, helpful. Well, I'm sure, yeah, and I'm sure Jana could speak to that. It doesn't matter how many kids you have. It doesn't. <laughs> we, we have 30, 30 preschoolers with five nurtured heart trained adults, and um, oh, all the same there. things apply. <laughs> it, know, it can I come? Most impl- Yes. In fact, the one thing I'd like to, before we close is I had a family come and we'd had multiple kids in their family and it happened to be the last child and the parents brought this child and said, well, this is the naughty one. And my heart sunk. And after two years at our preschool, the parents were able to come back and say, thank you for helping us see the ways that we used to label naughty as um, different, there's, there's a different way of looking at him now with his energy and how we can channel it. And I really think early childhood is that unique opportunity that before the world is given the labels of naughty and overactive and mm-hmm. annoying, mm-hmm. that we can help parents and children really see their intensity in ways that will change the world for the better. And it starts with, with adding those words to their portfolio so that they can say it. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. am the, I, live, I am these. So they live up to or down to how we see them. Exactly. 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 That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Jana. Um, and I do, that was, I was going to ask you to both of you to give me a little last minute um, words of wisdom, parting words of wisdom for our listeners. And you wrapped that up before I even had a chance to ask you. I love that. <laughs> um, so, Leah, I will come back to you after I give some quick announcements if you have some last-minute mm-hmm. parting words of wisdom as well. But first, I'm going to jump into a few announcements. Uh, so, first of all, this discussion about parenting zero or parenting and working with teaching zero to four-year-olds has been so rich, just such an amazing discussion. And the two of you brought so much um, wisdom to the plate and, I, and experience, and I, I um, really appreciate the conversation we had. I think it was valuable to, to many people um, out there listening. Um, okay, so just a few quick announcements. Uh, I would like to invite our listeners to join us for future Nurtured Heart Approach podcasts, either by following us at Blog Talk Radio or at childrensuccessfoundation.com forward slash NHA hyphen podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter or Facebook by clicking the icon. You can register for the Three Stands e-course 
also on our website, childrenssuccessfoundation.com. This is a free e-course that is delivered directly to your email inbox. The emails are spaced about three days apart to allow for application and reflection before the next one arrives. All NHA podcasts are recorded and archived for on-demand listening pleasure. Feel free to share the link to our channel here at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Nurtured Heart Approach. So back to you, Leah and Jana, if you have any other last-minute um, words of wisdom, we'd love to hear it as well. Um, but Leah, do you have anything you want to leave the listeners with? Um, well, I I just want to give a shout-out to parents of, of youngins that you are doing a hard thing really well and you have so much power and teachers as well you have so much power and so many chances and how you move in a child's life I mean that resonates for the rest of theirs it, it's um, it's hard to put into words kind of the impact that can have and so it's so exciting to be uh, hooked into the Nurtured Heart approach and the, the work going on there because it just feels like um, so so many um, lives can be impacted by just helping people see who they are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And laying that foundation for those littles, zero to four, that's what we're doing, right? And don't wait until you're proficient at it. Just start. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. With with new parents, just start. Just start seeing your child in this loving way, and it will grow. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, ladies. It was a pleasure to to have this conversation with the two of you. Um, I appreciate your honesty and your openness just discussing what it's like to parent and work, educate, in the education field with zero to four-year-olds. Thank you both, and I look forward to speaking with you another time. Have a great day. It was my pleasure. Thank you. Okay, bye, ladies. Bye. Bye. Any stories shared in this broadcast are amalgams of experiences based on the use of the Nurtured Heart Approach by our hosts and our guests and are not based on any particular person, child, or adult.